Good morning. My name is Kelly Harrison and I am the interim site pastor for Wicker Park at Urban Village Church in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. If you talk about me, you can use the pronouns she, her, and hers to refer to me. Last week, we introduced the idea of playfulness and how it relates to God. One way I think of this is that our creator God is the author of creativity and spontaneity, and these are often attitudes of play. To be playful, we step out into creativity and spontaneity, and we are close to the divine. There are two types of spirituality and play. The first is when we are doing something we love and we have a spiritual experience while we're doing it. This has happened to me when I've been out in the forest and felt God's presence there. It isn't something I was necessarily seeking, it just happened. The other type of spirituality and play is when we seek to encounter God with a playful attitude. I have felt this when I sang and danced for God. So playful spirituality can be doing a playful activity or it can be an attitude we take with us during worship. Now, the reason I know so much about play is because I spent eight years as a child and family development specialist in my previous career as a social worker. And that's on top of being a child myself for a while. One thing I did in this capacity as a social worker was assess child development of infants and toddlers in various areas, such as gross motor skills, fine motor skills, problem solving, cognitive function, language development, etc. It was my job to check and document a child's development and then assist their parents in finding activities to help them progress as appropriately as possible in those skill areas. Those skill areas corresponded directly to abilities in the real world, like understanding directions or being able to figure out that objects remain permanent when, when they're out of sight or learning to crawl. What's most interesting about all of that for our purposes here today is that all of these skills were improved in children using one method and one method only. Let the child play. Use age-appropriate tasks and materials, but just simply let the child play. The secret to success for a human infant or a human toddler is play. It's how they learn to do any number of tasks that will eventually lead to a fulfilling adult life. Quite frankly, it is play and not work that prepares us for adulthood. If there is this close a relationship between play and progress, why do we emphasize work more than play? I tell you what, the next time someone asks you what you do, feel free to answer with a hobby instead of your job title. What do I do? I am an amateur artist and a forest hiker, and I like to dance alone in my house. How do you play? What have you learned and how have you grown from play? Have you benefited from a team sport, which is a form of communal play? These are good questions to get to know someone. Now that we have laid a groundwork, we're going to talk about playfulness and how it relates specifically to Jesus. Looking at the scripture today, it's easy to come away from this particular passage with a ton of questions. Is Jesus teasing them with all of his questions? Why does he act like he doesn't know what happened when we all know it happened to him? Why does he wait to reveal himself at the precise moment he does? And perhaps most perplexing, is he being playful? First off, I think he is being playful. I picture him here with a smile and a gleam in his eye. 
He asks them questions he already knows the answers to. He seems to be using a secret identity. And after revealing himself to them, he poof, magically disappears. I can imagine that they felt perplexed by this playful attitude. He doesn't seem somber, as if he's just come from the grave, although he has. This is a Jesus who suddenly reveals himself, which is playful to me. But revealing himself isn't just any old revelation. It's a revelation at a meal. Meals for Jesus are fun times, but also important times. He dines with those who know how to have fun, but he also uses meals to teach. So here at this supper, after having a little fun at the expense of his hosts, he comes clean about who he is at a meal. Some of you might be familiar with this story, but even if you're not familiar with it, you might be familiar with some of the language. If you've participated in communion many times, the part that says he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. That might sound like something you've heard over and over again. It's familiar because this is a story about communion, and those are words used often in churches for communion. Similar language is also used in the gospel tellings of the Last Supper. So the author of Luke wants us to think about the Last Supper and this story together. But our topic today is playfulness, so I want to ask, how does playfulness relate to communion? How do we approach communion? Are we stuck in a rut of doing without thinking? Are we anxious and distracted? It's okay to be reverent, but have we forgotten that Jesus loved a meal, a party, and a joyful time? Can we find ways to be creative, free, and playful in our hearts, attitudes, and approach? I want to suggest that we look at play as pursuing delight, and we look at God as our ultimate delight. This is part of the example Jesus gave us, a life spent delighting in God. When we play, we feel joy and delight, and in communion, we have a foretaste of that ultimate delight that is beloved community with God and neighbor, just as Jesus taught and prayed and longed for. Play can bring us closer to our own selves and to our neighbors when it's cooperative play. And if communion is or can be play, then it is indeed the ultimate in cooperative play and in community building. That's what we have found as Christians. We have found that communion was meant to bind us together, and it does. It builds communities that seek the ultimate delight of loving God and each other. But how can we be more playful with communion? What does that look like? Now, I've seen children dancing during communion, and I loved that. But I don't necessarily think I have to dance to be playful with communion, though I can if I want. But I think that the COVID-19 crisis has actually encouraged us to be more playful with communion. Each week, we encourage participants to use something they pick as their own communion elements. For some, this is a chance to bring a beloved starch from their heritage into communion. Some bring donuts. I delight in using saltine crackers because I use them to practice giving my sister communion when I was in elementary school. Now I give saltine crackers to my wife each Sunday during the virtual service. 
It's just crackers, but it's very meaningful to me and it's rooted in play. It's rooted in my own knowledge that in my childhood play was the roots of my dream job as an adult. Playfulness is rooted in creativity and therefore rooted in the creator God, the God who Jesus reveals to us, the God who speaks in our hearts. Now, when I think of being playful, I also think of the weekend I spent at the Michigan Women's Music Festival in the summer of 1998. This was a famous music festival that ran from 1976 to 2015. No men or boys over the age of 10 were allowed on the land, which is what the, the place where the festival was held was called. And they were not allowed there for any reason, uh, including to do any work on the land. All work was done by the women on the land. My wife and I camped in a tent and weathered the rain and put up with the crowds. It was an eye-opening event. I had never been in a completely woman-only world. Even though I went to an all-women's college, there was nothing like the festival. Many women felt free enough to spend the festival shirtless. A few were comfortable naked. And it seemed like all of us felt safe walking alone at night. My wife and I went to workshops during the day on topics like kissing, countering racism, the importance of play, and we even indulged in her guilty pleasure of learning to read horoscopes. At night, we listened to amazing artists and comedians and watched the annual Perseid meteor shower under the starlit sky in rural Michigan. It was amazing. We felt playful and like part of a large communal playfulness. For me, as a young feminist, being in an all-female atmosphere was freeing. That feeling was incredible and empowering, but that freedom came at a price for someone. Not every woman was being empowered. Trans women were protesting the festival the year I attended. They protested outside of the land, down on the road on the way to the property, because they were not allowed into the women-only space. As we on the inside cultivated a community of play, those on the outside mourned their exclusion as we delighted. We played, but we were not willing to invite everyone into the joyous game. The stance of the festival was that you had to be born a woman to be welcome on the land. This is the same sort of thinking that prompted some early Christians to say that you could only be a Christian if you were first a Jew. It's exclusionary thinking. It privileges some based on their identity. However, with God's grace, the early church rejected this idea and found ways and rituals to include all who wanted to join. That openness is a spirit of playfulness. Because another thing play does is expose the fallacy of the immutable. Or another way to say that is that play shows us that we can change to more fully embody our true selves and indeed we should. Being somehow fluid and willing to embrace change seems to be somehow connected to play as well. But perhaps the most important lesson here is that the kind of community we want to build as Christians must have room for everyone. 
The Michigan Women's Music Festival was eventually boycotted by many artists for their anti-trans stance. The festival closed down amid this scandal, and the Advocate magazine speculated that it was because of this controversy that they closed. I will always believe that their inability to adapt and accept all women was exactly what did them in. And now that space no longer exists for anyone because it couldn't be playful with gender identity and instead had strict definitions around it. Now, many Christian churches still make that mistake and desire not to have unity with LGBTQ individuals. This is exclusion and it's wrong. It's against the way of Jesus. There are also those who desire not to have unity with those of a different race, either by outright exclusion or simply by welcoming people of color in, but then not treating them and their traditions as equally valid in the life and leadership of the community. Inclusion without influence is a false unity because it's still unity at the expense of someone's true self. And that brings us back to communion as an example. In communion, we become one body. There are no outsiders here at Jesus' table. It is the ultimate come-as-you-are moment. Regardless of where or who you have been, come now as you are. We will include you and welcome you and value you as a beloved child of God who can join us in our struggle to build the beloved, of, the beloved community of God here on earth as it is in heaven. For what is heaven but a place where we can all pursue and even attain delight, a playful place where there is unity with diversity? That's the promise of bodily resurrection. Resurrection is about an existence spent in the presence of the ultimate delight, God or we could call it beloved community with God and neighbor. God was Jesus's ultimate delight and Jesus is our example for how to live and how to connect to God and community. Community, communion, these words are related to one another. They sound alike. The reason they sound alike is because the Latin prefix com, C-O-M, means together or with. Community, communion, together or with. This illustrates the reason we are inclusive of everyone here. We welcome everyone because Jesus welcomes everyone. No exceptions, no test to pass, no right way to be yourself. Just a welcome and the message that God loves you and finds delight in you. Now, did you catch that last part? After all this talk about us finding delight in our lives and in the ultimate delight of God, we see also that God delights in us. This is why God created us and sent Jesus to redeem us, for mutual delight, for playful relationship. So I encourage you to frolic, to play, to delight, and to remember always that God delights in you. Be playful and then don't be surprised if you find yourself growing as a result. Will you join me in prayer? God of the dance, God of joy and of play, help us to be a playful people. Fill us with joy, creativity, excitement, and expectation. Grant that we might join in the game with you and with one another, that we might be a people of joy. Amen.